Welcome everyone to this week's Really Big Fan Podcast. I am your host, Chizuk. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Ekronim. Did you get stuck? No. I was just having fun with it. <laughs> if I could roll my R's, I would do that. This week's Really Big Fan Podcast. But yeah, I can't. I can only do it in the back of my throat. It just sounded wet. Yeah. It was a lot of ASMR. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, I can only roll it like the back of my throat. I can't roll my tongue in the front to, to do that fun thing. <laughs> and we are uh, here this week by ourselves. No guests this week. Uh, so we're going to talk about the uh, Scott Pilgrim franchise as a whole, but more importantly about the latest Netflix show because we covered it briefly last week, but you were like, we could go in, in depth on it. And I'm like, yeah, I think it's okay. time now that people probably like aren't right. get spoiled by it. Sure. Let's <laughs> go in depth with it. All right. Before we get there, though, as always, it is time for the headlines. So uh, starting from uh, the most recent and going backwards, tomorrow night is the Game Awards. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago when they put the nominees out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big part, big thing about the Game Awards is A, to see which games end up being the games of the year, but B, which games are going to drop massive trailers for us to see in uh, the latest Transformers game. Uh, I think it's called Reactivate already put on their Twitter that they will not have any new footage until next year uh, to kind of temper that there will not be any footage yeah. at the Video Game Awards. Don't be excited. We're not doing it. Don't think that we're holding on to something for the Game Awards. We're not putting anything out until next year, guys. Um, Which, if that means that they're just, you know, working on it to make sure everything works correctly, then sweet. Fine with that. Because that is way better than putting out a, you know, half-baked product which we've seen quite a li- bit of in the video games. I'm wondering what's left for them to surprise us with at the Game Awards. As far as, like, there will be games, trailers for games tomorrow night that I'll be like, oh, crap, that's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. But um, the next thing I want to talk about is that Rockstar already popped up, popped off the uh, GTA 6 trailer, yep. which we would have expected to see at the Game Awards. Right. As like the what one of the big last trailers. And we're like, oh, we're like, we're going to get ahead of it now so we can get all the press now. It's happening. Later. Right. Honestly, smart business move because everybody's talking about it. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that everyone expected with the Game Awards coming. They expected it last year and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So they they were expecting to look forward to it. And, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be. I'll have it on in the background so I can see what's what. Right. Um, but yeah, Grand Theft Auto 6, the sequel to Grand Theft Auto 5, is due out in 2025 and will be based in uh, what looks like to be Vice City again, but is just like the GTA version of Florida. Yeah. Because if you watch the trailer, there's a bunch of scenes in the trailer that were taken directly from florida man videos and just like they put a new skin or a new costume on top of the what would be mocap right of a crazy lady in her moo with machetes out on her front lawn <laughs> the nvcs are going to be absolutely wild yeah they usually are but one of the fun things is that they use tom petty's love is a long road uh for the trailer yeah. and that's all it took spotify exploded that with a awesome. 36,979% increase. Well, over. Uh, I hope whoever owns his masters are happy. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. 
But that is the power of uh, that is the power of putting the right song in the right trailer. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like every time they put a specific song from something into something and it blows up, it's pretty awesome. I mean, like look at Master Puppets; a whole new audience is into Metallica just because of Stranger Things. Right, exactly, and that's why somebody needs to take that version of X going to give it to you with the symphony orchestra <laughs> and stick it in the trailer for something. Yep. Because it's amazing. Well, I still keep saying, and I'm going to say it as much as possible, I really wish that they would put Avatar's Colossus in the next Deadpool movie. Yeah, whenever the, the X-Men character show, Colossus shows up. I actually wrote out a scene. I'm not even joking. All right. I, I wrote it out in like my notes one night when I was stoned, of course. But, um... I also have a note in here that said Chuck started singing in his sleep again. Mm. Um, <laughs> I was like, you have a moment where like somebody is fighting Deadpool and then you hear like this massive explosion from like far away. And then Deadpool just turns to the camera and goes, oh, you made daddy mad. And then like you start hearing walls busting. Yeah. It's getting closer and closer. And that's when you start queuing up that drum beat. That'd be pretty fun. It's through the wall. It's like when that first shred comes through. Yeah. Like, and then they could kind of edit it a little bit shorter because there's a long point between that and when they start saying Colossus. Right. You have to kind of cut it up. But that would be so hilarious to me. See, I'm going to, I'm going to take off of that and I'm going to build on it. Uh, the, what I see in my head when I'm listening to that. And I think of Colossus from the X-Men. Um, so let's say, Deadpool and Colossus are fighting somebody who can deactivate mutant powers mm-hmm. and they and whoever it is does it to Colossus and he turns back into human form and then they backhand him and he goes flying into like a lake or a river mm-hmm. around and I'm thinking that maybe the lake gets covered in a little bit of gasoline so it's on fire mm-hmm. and then that music hits and he comes out of the water uh-huh. Colossus yeah. form while there you go. Colossus on rise. Yep. Yep, that could work too. That would be actually I definitely, I definitely would expect fire in the background of that. Like it would be like that Iron Man in uh, Galmira type of thing, where he's walking and the fire is behind him. Yes. But yeah, definitely. Speaking of Deadpool, did you see Ryan Reynolds' tweet? No, I didn't. So um, there is, there's shooting scenes yeah. for Deadpool three still, um, and there's been some people with like telephoto lenses or something like that like creeping on the pre- creeping on the set and trying to get pictures of people who are in there or something they got a picture of some of the cars that are being used in a car chase mm-hmm. and one of them is the cupcake van from moon Knight. oh shit like literally the exact same van oh. that he was in the car chase in moon Knight. interesting um but ryan reynolds uh tweeted out with a cute little graphic at deadpool mm-hmm. uh that the movie is being made to be experienced when it happens, to get the surprises when it happens. Yeah, yeah. And that he had made a very veiled uh, mention of like, I hope certain websites and news outlets uh, will allow us yeah. to actually give you these awesome surprises the way they are intended. Right. <laughs> I don't know that uh, that like being like that will, uh, you know, just leaving a tweet with a veiled comment like that will help at all. Uh, but I would imagine if it's as serious as it seems to him 
that he will definitely be keeping a list of who can't keep their mouth shut and when people want to talk to people to Ryan Reynolds or uh, Hugh Jackman or anyone else that's going to be in Deadpool 3. Uh, there might be a bit of a media lockout. Yeah, I mean, your... it, and that's fair because it's like, look, I get it. I, I have done the journalism thing. I am technically a journalist. We're not exactly the most liked people in the world. A lot of the time that people will throw all care and caution or thinking of those important things to the wind is when they want clicks and hits. Right. And the most scavy of people will always go for clicks and hits over that. So if they get a media lockout and they don't get to interview because of that, that's on them. Yeah, that's that's hitting you where that it's that's hitting that kind of outlet where their pocketbook is. Fuck around and find out, bro. <laughs> or the cleaner version plays stupid games, wins stupid prizes. Yes. So uh, another bit of news when it comes to gaming is this past weekend, Fortnite had their big, uh, like, Eminem concert, mm-hmm. which I tried to log into five minutes beforehand, not knowing how this works, and saw that there was like an hour and 45 minute queue to get into Fortnite. Oh, geez. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not seeing it. Uh, but part of it was they were, so the last time they changed it, they brought the original map, the original island back yeah. for everyone to play in, because Fortnite is just like one map in the same way that when we started playing pokemon unite i was like oh it's league of legends but league of legends only has one map mm-hmm. that you play on so i was like oh okay so it's got a pokemon unite has multiple maps sweet um so fortnite changed to a new map after the m&m concert and revealed the season five um skins that are going to be coming <laughs> out which include buff peter griffin and Solid Snake? Not shocked by Snolid, Solid Snake. Snolid Snake. Snolid Snake. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he's got to be in Call of Duty somewhere by now. You he's think. definitely a Call of Duty style character. Yeah. It's like they, they put John McClane in Call of Duty a couple of years ago, and I was like, well, that's great. It makes total sense. Yeah, totally. We literally, so this weekend I was on tour with Anti-Ghost. We're sitting in Fluke's living room. Is One of them's going, they're putting Peter Griffin in Fortnite. And they're like, that has to be fake. For hours, just back and forth. Well, now there's more of it. No, that, that seriously can't be a thing. Oh, yeah, it's skinny Peter Griffin. Okay, now that's really reaching. And they're like, no, it's real. And yeah. What? Are you <laughs> serious right now? Well, I mean, they put Rick and Morty in there. They put everything in Fortnite, yeah, which is like fun. Peter Griffin. Yeah. Peter Griffin. Okay, sure. Uh, the worst part of it is going to be... Um, I think there's an emote where he does his laugh. Yes. And like he's just being assaulted by 40 people doing that nasally. Bird is the word too. Yeah, the, the bird is the word dance or whatever. And I think when he gets shot, he doesn't. He does the knee thing. Mm-hmm. Goes, ah. Because ah. <laughs> you can fight Peter Griffin. Like I played a little bit of it over the weekend and you can fight Peter Griffin as a boss in one of the places to like get an item. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, and he does that. It's it's pretty funny. I don't know if I'm fully back on my bullshit, but I did try it out, and it was just as fun as it was when I played it over the summer. Yeah, I tried it out because there's a rumor that because it's called Fortnite Underground, um, the first place that they go looks a lot like the Ninja Turtle lair. Yeah, and there's somewhere in the trailer in the background is like a, a graffiti spray paint of the Ninja Turtles. Mm. Uh, like if they're gonna put Ninja Turtles in Fortnite. 
I may have to put more money back into Fortnite just so I can get a Ninja Turtle. dollars worth of credits. I only need one Ninja Turtle. I don't need all four of them. Just so I can play as a Ninja Turtle would be funny. I really considered it just because of the Eminem part. I considered putting money into it to, to play as Eminem too. And then I was like, nah, I'm not I'm not putting 25 bucks into a game just to be Eminem. I think Eminem might be the only person that does not look good in the 2099 cape. Maybe, I don't know. Everybody looks good in Spider Man 2099's cape. Everybody. That's why Optimus Prime has it when I'm running around mm-hmm. playing Fortnite on my Switch. That's the other thing, is playing it on the Switch is just so much easier <laughs> than playing it anywhere else. I honestly like playing everything on the Switch. I don't like having to sit at a console. Yeah. Uh, this came up last week, and I wanted to talk about it because it's definitely relevant to our interests. PlayStation announced that a bunch of the Discovery TV shows that they have on their PlayStation store that users have already paid for will be leaving the server. So if you have not downloaded them, you will not be able to download them, even though you spent money to be able to download them. Bullshit. Yeah, something in the uh, neighborhood of like a thing store or or above shows are just going to disappear into the ether, which as an old person is the kind of thing when like when Steam started that I was like, I'm not going to buy my games digitally. What if Steam goes away? Right. I don't have my games. Now, Steam's been around for almost three decades at this point, so it's not going anywhere. Um, but when you see this kind of thing happen, you know, with like PlayStation, it's it. You, I guess... On one hand, you have to be careful what services you're willing to pour money into right. because they could, any any one of them, even the most popular service could go away at any moment. Yes. Disney Plus, Max, any of that stuff could just disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think those are different because you're kind of paying like a rental fee for that in the first place. Right. So it's, it's a little bit late to replace the video store that like, hey, I want to watch some entertainment. So... I'll just pay to have this thing that I can pull up on an app anytime. Well, and so that's silly enough that like digital shows are are evaporating. And then I've got this one here. A label exec calls for the end of physical media due to pollution. This is a story on metal injection. Yeah. Um, Robin Miller, uh, legendary British record producer and chairman of Chrysalis Records and Blue Raincoat Music, thinks that the climate in producing physical media isn't exactly compatible. And he's looking at it from the perspective of obviously like global warming and all that stuff. But at the same point, you don't realize how much physical media is needed for bands to actually make money. Right. Like streaming services do not pay. And that was a news thing that had hit up sometime last week when Spotify stuff was going through. Yeah, when Spotify Wrapped came out, everybody yeah. was like, yeah, but nobody made me money. Well, no, uh, Weird Al actually uploaded his thank you video to say, yeah, I got 30 million streams this year, so I was able to buy a nice sandwich. Yeah, you got like 12 like, bucks. Yeah, and so like that is the reality of like streaming services is as these people are not getting paid very well for it. You're talking like just being on a tour, I'm looking at, like you're selling CDs, you're selling right. merch, like that it, that stuff and whatever you're getting from your pay to play the show, which if you're doing DIY shit ain't a lot, it's, you know, that's what you need to get to the next show. Well, if people aren't paying that, then you're not going to get it. So it's like you have this side of it where it's like, you know, all these things are being deleted. 
I don't even think um, I think Aaron Paul had said something at one point about like he doesn't get good residuals from re- rewatches of Breaking Bad. No, not at all. Like that. So these people aren't getting paid on this end and then they want to cut physical media from the knees on the other side. Like, what are we supposed to do here? That's what I, I read uh, a couple of days ago, too, is that this is the last year WWE will be putting their events and, and documentaries and stuff on physical media. Starting next year, everything is just on a service. I mean, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised they didn't do that sooner, but also bring me the fucking network. Yeah, please. Please stop making us use Peacock. Yeah. I, it's so poorly disorganized. The, the UI is awful. Yeah, like, <laughs> if you're going to do that and you're going to put everything back on there, you need to reopen. That's the wild thing is that uh, the Peacock uh, WWE license mm-hmm. is exclusive to North America. Yeah. Like if you have it everywhere else. Yeah, if you're in Europe, you still have the WWE Network. It's fucking garbage. <laughs> like if I want to go and pull up matches, it is a pain in the ass. And at that point, I will just find it on YouTube or Twitter. Exactly. I don't even like Twitter, but I'll go on there if I have to find something. I deleted it off my phone. It's not, so. it's not good for much anymore, but it can be good to find, you know, little clips here and there. Honestly, that's the only reason why I don't know what's going on in wrestling as much now is that I don't use Twitter. So yeah, that's one of the only things I I use it for is to yeah. just I don't want to sit through a three hour Monday Night Raw. I just want the highlights. So mm-hmm. I'll just wait till about eleven o'clock and be like, what I miss? Yep, exactly. <laughs> They've started to post stuff on Threads, but there's not as many user uploading things that I'm seeing. I'm only seeing them uploading things. Right. So the last story I've got I saw last week is pretty awesome. So you're familiar, even though I haven't played Tears of the Kingdom, the newest mm-hmm. Zelda yet, you're familiar with the fact that you can build things yes. this, this time around. Well a college professor is going to be using that specific factor as a uh as as part of his engineering class at the University of Maryland. Yeah. They're going to give every, um, in, it's a machine design and robotics class, they're going to give every student a copy of Tears of the Kingdom and a copy uh, and a Nintendo Switch when they take the class to play the game and then do the projects, building different things in Tears of the Kingdom. So what I'm hearing is you're going to go back to college in Maryland. In Maryland, just uh, <laughs> just so that uh, I can I can get Take a copy a college of college course. I can get a copy of Tears of the game. Kingdom. <laughs> I'm going to learn how to build the coolest uh, Evangelion mech. Oh God! In- <laughs> oh, I love that though. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, that's that's probably a cooler one that I've heard because usually it's just like, hey, this professor is doing a course on Taylor Swift. Sure. It's like I could ace that class so easily. (laughs) (laughs) Not because I want to. It's because I was waterboarded with her. (laughs) Yeah, no, I thought I thought that was that was super cool. And that's all I got news wise. Okay. For you. So uh, we're going to take a little break here. And uh, I'm going to get some more soup, some more night soup. (laughs) And when we come back, we're going to talk about Scott Pilgrim versus everything. Take off my shirt. Yeah, you did have on your shirt today. Yep. And then you asked me if I wanted to change subjects. I'm like, bitch, I wore my shirt. I mean, we're not talking about Green Day today. We could be. Green Day should have been in the soundtrack for Scott Pilgrim. I actually, I'll start this off with saying that, like, I had the Scott Pilgrim movie on my iPad for, or not my iPad, my iPod, 
Like my iPod Classic had the Scott Pilgrim you know, with the little on. tiny screen on it. Uh huh. And so I listened to it all the time. The movie? Yeah, I would just put it on like I do with my my iPad now and running Stranger Things every five minutes of my life, or when I went through my really deep Hannibal phase, like. I will just put things on and listen to it while I'm doing other things. So Or Daredevil. Yeah. So I would listen to Scott Pilgrim constantly. I could probably quote that movie completely. Like from and, and the only reason I think I, I could is because I kept pulling out quotes when I did the Heistrologies mm-hmm. with Courtney back in the day. We did a Hannibal episode and we did a Scott Pilgrim episode. Right. And I would just quote stuff and she goes do you remember all of this and i was like, well it is it much like edgar wright is really good with that kind of like mm-hmm. dialogue yes. like it's very it's very fast and it's very funny so when you get it it like it it latches into your brain yes stuff like you got red on you yeah oh my gosh yes like, it just latches itself into your brain which is really cool so when you so when you did you, is that how you first experienced the Scott Pilgrim movie? Was on your tiny ass iPod? No, I I downloaded it illegally off of Pirate Bay. Okay, and then I had it on my iPod, but then I also had like a burned copy of it. I never actually owned the DVD, and you didn't go to the theater to see it. Mm-mm. Okay, nope. I I forget how I even came across it. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. like I think somebody told me about it or something, or I maybe saw it at someone's house. I don't know. But it, I downloaded it that way. I had it, I burned it on a DVD and could watch it downstairs in my little, I had like one of those little DVD players that you just, yeah, the little teeny one. So I watched it that way and I listened to it on my iPod a bunch. I didn't get heavy into the soundtrack until way later. How did you watch the movie that many times and not get heavy into the soundtrack? Well, I just didn't, I would listen to it when I was listening to the movie. I wouldn't. Like, I didn't have it on my iPod. I wasn't listening to the soundtrack. Because it's definitely one of those movies where I'd hear the songs like Black Sheep or something and be like, I want to hear that whole song. That's yeah. a really cool song. Or all the Sex Bob-omb songs. Yeah. I was like, if there's even five more seconds of that song, I want to hear it. Because I like what I hear. I just listened to it in the movie. <laughs> That's why I only know the first verse of Black Sheep by heart. And then I have to, like, read the lyrics for the rest of it when we play it in rock bands. So, now I know it, but like back in the day, I didn't. So some friends of mine, when we were, uh, that I went to high school with, when Fight Club came out, mm-hmm. they went and saw it in the theater and they thought it was so cool that they would literally go every weekend just to see Fight Club again. Mm-hmm. They would just go to the theater to see Fight Club again. And I've never had a movie. There's very few movies that I've ever been to the theater to see more than once in my lifetime. And I don't, I didn't read the comics before they came out mm-hmm. uh, or before the movie came out. Like I was, nobody did. I was aware that the Scott Pilgrim books existed. I thought, oh, that's that book that's kind of like a manga, but it's done by a dude from Canada and like he's super into old Nintendo games and, and, and indie rock stuff. And like, okay, that's kind of cool. I would see it in the, the catalogs and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. It's a Canadian guy making a manga. That's fun. Uh, and then I, because I worked at a comic store for, you know, so long, I heard that he had gotten an option for a movie. I'm like, oh, well, that should be fun. I wonder what that's going to be like. And when I saw the first trailer 
uh, I was immediately in love. Yeah. Like I knew that like, wait, so it's a movie where a video game and a comic book had a baby that turned out to be a rock concert. Like, okay, I'm, yep. I'm so, and this is scratching so many itches. <laughs> this is, this movie was made for me and I went to see it at the theaters. I don't think I was there like opening weekend, but I did get around to seeing it and knew as I was, I remember before the first time I saw it before it was over, I was like, this is my fight club. Mm-hmm. This is the movie I'm going to see uh, in every possible fashion as many times as possible. And I think I have seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world more times than any other movie in a uh, theater theatrical capacity, like I would go to the Magic Bag when they yeah. would have it on their their movie night. Yeah, I would go anywhere for years. I think they are doing a Clash at Demon Head show, by the way. Nice. I haven't gotten my list yet. To yeah, know if I'm supposed to be there or not, but I did see a poster for it. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I would. Like I said, I would go whenever some any place was like, "Hey, we're having a Scott Pilgrim movie night," and and it turned into a thing where. We had, um, our friend group had, uh, a lot of them used to work in the text department at Best Buy, and some of them still did, and one of them had, like, the newest, coolest TV with the highest refresh rate mm-hmm. and the biggest screen possible, and we would just go over his house and watch Scott Pilgrim about every other week uh, because it was wild. The refresh rate, I think, is, is what it was, was so good on that TV it was like you were just looking through a window watching the actors act. Yeah. And it was wild to behold. See, I never liked that way that the, the refresh rate looked when it looked too real. It would stress me out. Yeah, I, Like I said, it's wild to behold. It's the kind of thing that I would like the option to watch things like that. Yeah, yeah. And in in that, but then watch them the way like they're, everyone else is watching them as well. Have I ever told you what the most thing I've ever seen in theaters is, by the way? Is it Twilight? No. Is it a Harry Potter movie? No. Because uh, you look embarrassed. Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? No. Is it Hunger Games? Nope. There's none of the fandoms that I, I touch on a regular basis. All right, hit me. Shrek. <laughs> I have seen Shrek five times in the theaters during its first theatrical release. <laughs> My mom liked it so much we went multiple times. Five fucking times. Oh my god. That's amazing. And then the children at the gym that I had to babysit, that's the only thing they wanted to watch. So I have seen that movie maybe a million times uh, at this point. That's amazing. Yep. Before Scott Pilgrim, one of the only movies I can remember seeing more than once in the theater was the 1986 Transformers movie. I mean, yeah, that makes I saw sense. it. I saw it twice. I saw it once with Bob and once with Dad. <laughs> it would have made sense for me to have seen Harry Potters and stuff like that. Like, I did I did see Harry Potter probably multiple times, but, like, not five. Right. I think probably, like, two or three, you know, or, you know, I think, I think I saw one of the Twilights twice. I think it was the first one or something like that. But, no, Shrek, five times <laughs> paid five times you can't tell me you didn't enjoy it at least three to four of those times well yes because it, it, it keep in mind and then once again reminding you how old you are right you were a child i was younger at that point so it made sense right but um 
Yeah, there that, and I think the only Marvel movie I've seen twice in theaters is uh, Spider Man. Yeah, the 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 No Way Home. Yeah, or, or, or Across the Spider Verse. No, the other one, the one with the three Spider Man. Oh yeah, uh, that's No Way Home. Yeah. Yep. Because I went with you, and then I went with Jamie. Right. So like I've seen that one twice, yeah. but like other than that, like I I don't. I didn't see Across the Spider-Verse twice. You did, because you and Sean went. Yeah, that's right. And then I went with you guys again at one point, too. I had a, I had a similar experience with the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where like I was sitting in the theater going like, oh, I'm going to see this again. I would have seen that again. I'm totally, totally going to come back to the theater and watch this one. I would have seen the third one again, if uh, that we were up to that point. You yeah. Know? But yeah, so uh, Scott Pilgrim is probably the thing I've watched the most like at, at, on like a repeat movie watch. Right. Other than like, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and Ocean's Eleven, because those were like staples for me all, all through those eras of since they came out. Yeah. So I fell in love with the movie when it was still in theaters. And then I immediately went and got the soundtrack because like uh, I think that movie is probably why I love Metric. Yeah. Um, you need to get that on vinyl. The Scott Pilgrim soundtrack. Mm -hmm. They just re-released it with extra tracks a couple of years ago nice. that they had made while in the film. I feel like, like that Sex Bob-omb songs that you hear like yeah. 20 seconds of that there's a whole song there. I feel like that would be a good one because so like our, our policy on vinyl is it has to sound good on vinyl in order to order it or to have it on vinyl. If well, it doesn't sound that's good, that's your policy on vinyl. Oh, yeah, that's more. My policy on vinyl is I have to like the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. If there's even one I mean, track on it, too, if yeah. there's even one track on it that I'm Luke Warmod that I Tony Donan on vinyl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine is more like, okay, so if this album's going to suck on vinyl, I'm not going to get it on vinyl because it's not going to sound good. Right. So, like, the other day, I legitimately, where was I? We were some. We were at Guitar Center, and I picked up that Queens of the Stone Age album that has songs for the dead on it, and I was yeah. like, that's not going to sound good on vinyl. And I put it back. I almost bought it though. I don't know. It might. I I don't know. Like, cause like some of those are so hard that like the not at least not on my vinyl player. Right, like, your record. Player. I love my record player because you bought it for me. For sure. Like, the Crosleys do not sound good. Yeah, no. You we actually have it plugged into something else so you can hear the audio right. better. But um, I feel like the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack would be a perfect one because the Pixies one sounds great. And it's funny because I don't think I fell in love with the whole soundtrack at first. Yeah. I think there were definitely, I, I definitely listened to like the Sex Bomb songs and Metrics Black Sheep like a bunch of times uh, because they're, you know, big parts of the movie. And right. I thought the songs were really cool. Um, but songs like the uh, Plum Trees, Scott Pilgrim. Oh, I love that one. Or what's the I've Been Waiting by the Sea? What's that band? Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, I forget. Because <laughs> uh, the song is called Boring by the Sea. It's not Pinback. It's somebody else. Yeah, but there were. Is on that. There were songs that like, oh, I remember that was in a scene, but eh, whatever. It would scare, or the uh, Frank Black song. I was like, yeah, okay, like cute. Black it's cute. It mentions Ramona in it, whatever, and it skipped to the next one. Uh, let's see, because the sleazy bed track. It's getting boring by the sea. Yeah, it's getting boring by the sea by Blood Red Shoes. Right. Sleazy bed track is interesting, though. If I listen to it now, it's like, your medicine's not working. Stop taking your meds and let's go fuck. Which makes me <laughs> a little uncomfortable. But, like, I mean, even, like, Garbage Truck from- Garbage Truck is amazing. There's those- um... There's not a single Sex Bomb song that is not perfect, and thank you, Beck, 
for writing every one of those right. things. You know, that's a that's a testament to Beck in general. This is the um, expanded edition. Yeah, that was what I was saying. It's got the extra stuff. See, like you like the metric track, though. I don't like the metric version. I like the Brie Larson version. Yeah. I like her voice better. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it is. It's like, I don't like the chick from Metric's voice and it, I feel bad, but I don't. It was the thing where I had heard other Metric songs, but didn't know I'd heard other Metric songs. Yeah. But then I heard Black Sheep. I was like, oh, I should listen to Metric. And I went back and I found the Fantasies album. And that is one I bought on vinyl yeah. when we saw them open for the Pumpkins. Yeah. I, I bought that on vinyl because that's a start to finish banger of an album. I love only, every song on that album. The only Metric song I like is Help, I'm Alive, and I have to be in the right mood to listen to it. Right. Something about her voice just does not do it for me it's weird but- so yeah it, it, the the franchise obviously exploded it started as a comic and then we got a movie out of it and mm-hmm. you know you get a cool soundtrack out of the movie uh the comic actually wasn't even finished when the movie came out the wow. sixth book in the series had yet to come out and i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly brian leo malley saying that he changed it somewhat because of working on the movie Mm -hmm. like he'd had a plan before work it got option he did a movie and then he got to work with edgar wright on the movie and and rewrite the script and everything and and talk to other people about how the story went and went huh there's some stuff in there that i don't like anymore yeah i'm gonna change it and and i have a fresh perspective now because he's Mm -hmm. uh said in a recent interview about the netflix show that the um when he wrote Scott Pilgrim versus the world, he was writing it basically about when he was in his twenties. Yeah. Not that this is a blow for blow, uh, you know, you biopic, of- biopic yeah. of how, Ed, uh, not Edgar Wright, how Brian Lee O'Malley grew up in Canada in his twenties. But you know, he, once again, he loved old Nintendo games. He loved indie rock. He loved anime. Um, what if I just smash all these things together? Mm-hmm. What do we get kind of, kind of mentality. Um, but he, he, it's this in the same way that, Scott Pilgrim takes off the new Netflix show isn't almost anything like anything that's come before it because he now is an older person with a fresher perspective mm-hmm. of those characters and of his time in his 20s and about like maybe Scott's kind of like toxic. really toxic and a dick <laughs> yep well and that's where the takes off part comes in and what I was kind of alluding to when we talked about it before on the podcast was that you start the first episode, and this is where we start getting into spoiler stuff, but we start the first episode and it just blow by blow goes by the movie. And then right when Matthew Patel and Scott are about to collide, Matthew Patel actually wins the fight. Yeah. And everybody's like, okay, show's over. And It's amazing because the characters have the reaction they know the viewer is going to have. Like, wait, what? Exactly. <laughs> They have the same exact response to it. And I think the episode ends right there. It does. And you're just like, what? (laughs) And so it takes a turn from there. And not only does it go through different stories where it gives Ramona more of a backstory and more definition, you get more of each of the characters. Mm -hmm. You don't get Scott for like, three more episodes yeah it's only eight episodes and i don't think scott comes back until episode like six yeah and in which it's pretty interesting at that point because you get more of lucas lee you get more of gideon you get more of julie yeah the character that had the least amount of expansion other than scott is stacy pilgrim you see her in one scene yeah but you 
But you do get more of her than you kind of do in the movie, which is awesome. I mean, I, I only saw her like making fun of Lucas. She was only in the coffee shop and yeah. I think she was at the show for a hot second. Like she's in that first episode. But like you get her screaming at Julie. And yeah. They're both doing that thing where like they're bleeped. Yeah. When they're swearing and they're the only two that do it. Right. But like beyond that, you really don't see Stacey Pilgrim at all. Everybody else has character arcs. Really, and, and yeah, even, even Stills doesn't really have a ton. He has some, though. But he does, and he, he does. even young Neil gets character arc. Oh, God. Amazing. Young Neil gets more of a character, <laughs> Steven. Um, it's a little get, bit It's a little bit like It's a Wonderful Life in that, like, with Scott gone, everyone's life either gets dramatically better or dramatically worse. Yeah, and, like, Kim even points out at one point to Ramona, like, so you're going to do all this for a guy you went on one date one time? Mm-hmm. And then it comes back later where she's like, so you're going to see that guy again that you dated one time? Right. Like, making comments like that to her. Um, we we see Kim kind of questioning whether she's somewhat gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of fun. She kind of takes a liking to knives and then freaks out. Which is it, kind of funny. There's There was a little scene in the front of one of the comics where, like, they're all hanging out. Because it takes place over, I think, like a whole year. Mm-hmm. So there's a scene in one of the comics where they're all hanging out on a beach in the middle of summer. Uh-huh. Um, and Knives is obviously younger than everybody else. Everybody's, yes. like, tw- in their 20s and Knives is still in high school. Um, but Knives uh, gets a little drunk. Uh-huh. And they take her back to the house. And, like, every- and Kim is taking care of her because she's going to be sick yes um and scott like goes to the bathroom or something and walks by a room and sees kim and knives kissing oh geez and then it says in like the font and it was never spoken of again (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there there's uh a scene where you have um roxy make a move on kim and then goes where was your hot coworker? Like, because Roxy's just like raging horny all the time. Apparently. She is. Um, but like, you get all of these more stories. I think I really love the Lucas Lee one the best. Like, it's that fun. was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, seeing it Julie makes, and Gordon. It makes all of the evil exes more human. Yes. Because when you see them in the movie, because of the way the movie is paced, they're just you like they they have their one or two character villain moments things and then like they're funny and they're fun kind of thing they're very much anime villains in that and this one expands on it in a way that um you know if you were reading a manga that's like 300 chapters that you would be like oh well get more storyline i get yeah i get so much more about this character now i like the fact that it gives everybody more definition especially ramona because it graduates her from a manic pixie dream girl to more than that sure and that was something that I don't know if that was an intentional thing on their part as creators at this point, but it felt like they were rectifying some of the toxic shit that was in the Scat Pilgrim movie itself. Yeah, they were definitely calling out uh, Ramona as a character and how she's she's not perfect, uh, how Scott's not perfect. Um, you know, the whole thing about Scott, even there's a scene with him and Knives where after he comes back he says to her like i probably shouldn't have been dating you anyway because you are the age that you are right and that's something that a lot of people have pointed out in the past about the scott pilgrim movie is this like 
this is creepy. He's in his 20s and he's dating a high schooler. And right. even though it's part of the trope of the movie in general and they bring it up a lot, it's never really connotated as like, this is really not okay. Yeah. It's more like, oh, he's dating a high schooler? That's a mourning period. Wah. You know, it's used as a punchline. Mm-hmm. But like even some of the stuff that Ramona ends up going through is like she's having these conversations with all of these exes and figuring out what went wrong and why they reacted this way to where right. we'd even get in a league in the first place. And I feel like that helps expand the story more and makes it more interesting, but it also updates it to the standards that we're in now. Yeah. And I, I think you can also, um, I guess, hand wave it away with the fact that when you are making a movie, you've got about 90 minutes mm-hmm. to cram everything into. So like, yeah, I can't, completely approach everything that's going to be problematic mm-hmm. uh, in the in this particular well i think it's like thing. the date and age though too because scott pilgrim the first the, the movie came out in 2010 yeah we're now 13, 13 years ahead of schedule from that and the world is drastically different for sure so i feel like whether that was intentional or not they did do their due diligence with making it like a little bit more up to date with that mm. And, you know, with even Scott having to fight himself and then Scott having to fight his even older self. (laughs) Right. It's almost like that version, those versions of Scott are still the version of Scott from 2010. It is fun too, um, you know, not just talking about like the moral, uh, I I guess, retelling of it, but uh, that this gave Brian Lee O'Malley an opportunity to once again pay homage to some of the things he absolutely loves like isn't there an akira slide somewhere in that i think and there is so much evangelion reference in this right down to the fact that much like the rebuild of evangelions that first episode is like shot for shot what you expect Mm -hmm. and then things take a left turn and from that point on everything it's a different new show yep which is really kind of fun no there's a lot of different things like even the um what was the console that he was watching the memory on. Oh, I don't remember. You were like geeking out when it happened. You were like, oh my God, it's a Nintendo blah, blah, blah. And I don't. Oh, it was a virtual boy. Yeah, there you go. Nintendo virtual boy. So in the in the that. future that he's, he's watching uh, his memories on. Yes. And it, that does also kind of lead to you made mention of It's a Wonderful Life, and it kind of has that vibe with the memories too, like mm-hmm. to look back on certain things. Which is a retelling, and it's a it's a story trope across the board. But it's interesting to have more content with this. They did add more music to this. They did. And one of the things that I do love about this now chunk of franchise, I guess, is that like when they did the first movie, they all learned how to play these instruments. Yeah, they learned how to do the singing. It wasn't like body doubles and stuff. Like I have a lot of respect for them for learning that shit. And I'm sure when they had back in Broken Social Scene and Metric, mm-hmm. like, make these songs, they were like, keep in mind that we're gonna try and teach the actors and actresses how to play these. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, like, maybe don't go too hard on them. Yeah, like, don't make them so complicated they're going to be completely difficult to play. Right. But they're still solid songs. I don't think that they're... No, they're great. At all. Yeah. But that, and that's uh, that, the other thing. The Clash of Demon Head um, was based on Metric. <laughs> he was uh, Brian Lee O'Malley was a big Metric fan and loved. Uh, I can't think of her name, but the lead singer. Yeah. It was like, well, yeah, that's that's who um, 
with the character's Andy name. Adams. Yeah, that's who Envy Adams is absolutely supposed to be. It's so fun, especially, I think we even mentioned this, it's so fun now to see all of these actors and actresses that we've seen in so many other things, whether they were Captain Marvel and Captain America or like Brandon Routh and everything, and then to see them put their voice in this. And go back to yeah. it. We kept going, I wonder what the budget was here for these actors and if they lowered their budget just because they wanted to do Yeah, just because it. it was fun, because they have fond memories of doing it the first right. time. So like, oh yeah, I want to be a part of this. There are some um, videos of them in the booth doing it, and mm. it's funny to watch Chris Evans drop his register to get to that. <laughs> yes. yeah, like that <laughs> sort of dude thing. It's it's kind of funny to witness. I s- I think I also pointed out the it was funny because we watched this and then we see uh, the Marvels and they've got Brie Larson singing in the Marvels. Yes, they do. And I'm like, I wonder if they were like, oh, yeah, like, well, we know you can sing. You did that Scott Pilgrim movie. I wonder if we're going to have you singing this and we're going to make it super silly. Yeah. I just watched. I don't remember if it was on the DVDs and the Blu-rays. That's the other thing. When that movie came out on Blu-ray. That's when I got a PS3 mm-hmm. because the Xbox 360 didn't have a Blu-ray player. Mm-hmm. You could get an add-on that played HD DVDs because that's what Microsoft backed in right. the in the war between Blu-ray and HD DVDs. And it did not turn out in their favor. Nope. But I had a 360 to play Rock Band and all that stuff on, which we, trust me, we wanted Scott Pilgrim songs in Rock Band from oh, the yeah. moment we heard them. Oh, yeah. Totally. So when I started downloading those songs from the website after long after they were releasing Rock, stopped releasing Rock Band songs, I was like, where is the Scott Pilgrim stuff? <laughs> so when we finally started finding, like I would find tracks that didn't have the vocals in them yeah. or the bass or something. I was like, I don't care. I get to play friggin' Threshold. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> That's how I was with those um, MGK tracks when I really wanted yep. to listen to those. I was like, I don't care. It doesn't have it in there. As long as it has the drums in there, you can play the drums on it. Yeah, which is a nightmare. Yeah, Travis Barker is too good. Yeah. <laughs> and they also came out with the video game, the Scott, which had to be a dream for Brian Lee O'Malley. I still haven't seen any of that or played I was going to ask if we played it because I got it for the 360 when it came out. That was at the time when the movie had come out yeah. uh, and played that, played it to completion. And then last summer, I, th- I think it was last summer, maybe it was the summer before we got into the Ninja Turtles game, which the Scott Pilgrim game is based around the beat-em-ups of you know, that era of the Ninja Turtles game, but also a couple of old Nintendo games that he was a huge fan of, like Clash at Demon Head or River City Ransom, which a lot of, if you played River City Ransom, you would see the Scott Pilgrim, the influence it had on Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. I just like, um, in the anime, they really leaned into the Tony Hawk of Lucas Lee. Yes, they did. Including using songs from the Tony Hawk Pro Theater soundtrack. Or or putting the little thing on the on the yeah, screen the when he would, where he would when do, he would do trick three and... tricks in a row. <laughs> that that whole episode made me so happy. Yeah, it was really fun. It's very much like, okay, like now that we can do this because I mean they do it when he does the grind they show that thing on the screen but like this was throughout the entire in the movie when he does the grind it's not as Tony Hawk whereas in the show when he's fighting off the ninja paparazzi which is a a great like gag yes um like like I said, it's like he does a trick and then plus this trick, plus this trick happening. Well, and it, it was funny because at the end, they when they call back to it, they still bring it up. 
Yeah. So when you see them at the theater, there there's like Matthew Patel is doing a stage play. And he's at the theater and he's still running from the ninjas and it's still doing it. Yep. So it's just a Lucas Lee thing that it pops up on the sides. I also really love the fact that they decided to explore what would happen if Todd Ingram was not vegan anymore. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. Like he doesn't just get zapped by the vegan police and then you don't see him ever again. It's no, he, so funny. open his trailer door and he's eating chili cheese fries. <laughs> and a bucket of chicken. Pressed, And they're like, Todd, what did you do? And he's just like, eh. But you're, you're not mentioning he's depressed. Because he fell in love with Wallace. Yes. And yes. Wallace is not a uh, settle down type of person. No. no, Wallace. Even Wallace is extremely toxic. Yeah. But still kind of fun. Yep. Wallace is is definitely fun. We were actually, we were walking down the street in East Lansing talking about this movie for a hot second. Yeah. And Sean from Antigos is like, yeah, um, they're all awful. They're, you shouldn't want to aspire to be anyone in that movie. That's the thing. And I was like, oh, it's totally fair and I'm like but I'm somewhere between Wallace Wells and Kim Pine yeah that is exactly where I fucking land you have a little bit of Julie you have too much emotion to be Kim Pine uh yeah no no but it's the um it's the sarcastic aggression yeah Kim Pine that fits me more because it's like you know when people always like when they when they see movies and stuff like that they're like oh I want to be the main character and despite the fact that my hair color changes that much I am nothing like Ramona no so I'm like, nah, it's it's definitely like a Kim Julie Wallace situation. <laughs> Which is funny because I remember watching it being like, why would you ever break up with Kim? She is perfect. <laughs> Kim <laughs> she is awesome, so good. She's just so sarcastic. And I, it's you know, hilarious. like, like, yeah, um, Mary Elizabeth Winston is very pretty. But I was like, who's the redhead? <laughs> She's you have a redhead thing. I, I have a redhead thing and I like. You know, I, I like sassy bitches. Yes, you do. So this would not work if you did not. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, man, my girlfriend's awful. I don't remember if this was on the Blu-ray, but um, I I saw on YouTube they have the audition tapes. Oh, nice of everybody, and it's so funny to watch which scenes they had them read. But also, you can see specifically with like young Neil. He had the character from the minute they gave him the lines. <laughs> he was exactly young Neil. And He's so perfect. Yeah. But it's also funny to watch like Brie Larson do that sexy voice and then immediately giggle when the scene's over. Yeah. Because it's so silly. She's so silly too in general. Like she seems like a major goofball. So mm-hmm. to have her play some sort of sexy character, she's like, eh, this is so weird. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, too, when you watch the the ones that they're doing now, because they show Brie Larson in the booth, they show Chris Evans, and I think they show... And his uh, full Kim beard. Pine, Kim Pine. She's in there. Yeah. And it's funny to see those voices coming out of them, because they're now all, like, in their... Like, yeah, they're older. ...pretty 40s. But it's they're the same person. Yes. <laughs> like, what, how old is even Michael Sarah at this point? He's got to be in his 40s. I don't know, but I remember him specifically, but I feel like there were a couple of them that... I didn't like how they their their voice acting worked, how they read. No, oh, he's only 35. And like Michael Sarah has voice acted. Michael Sarah and I are the same age and he's only like 6 months older than 35. 35. <laughs> His dad's name is Luigi. <laughs> it's a me. It's a me, Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. 
Um, <laughs> I had to look that up. Sorry. You still haven't read the the comics at all either, Andy? No, they're in the I've, living room. Yeah, I've got four of the hardcover color editions, but then I've still got like, because there's only six books, mm-hmm. and I've still got three of them in like the paperback. Well, that was why I didn't originals. know they kept showing Ramona's cat in the intro of the anime. And yes. What the hell is this cat's name? Yeah, you're like, Ramona didn't have a cat. What is this? And I had to, you find out. I had to go in and look it up. The cat's name is Gideon. It is. Like Gideon Graves. Yep. So now we're, we were going, okay, so did Gideon name himself after Ramona's cat or did Ramona name the cat after Gideon? I think it's probably supposed to be the first, the second one. <laughs> I think that's that's how it's supposed to work. But yeah, that's pretty funny because like, they never mention the cat's name. And I'm I'm sure this is no surprise, but the, one of the reasons we're bringing this up is because in a recent interview with Brian Lee O'Malley, he said that they purposely left like nothing undone with this eight episode season because yeah. they didn't want to have the thing happen that happens with a lot of streaming services where you get a one season and people really love it and then they just don't renew it for yeah, a second season. He was like, nope, if we put all of it into those eight episodes, then they don't have to renew us. We don't have to play this game right. kind of thing. And it'll so, probably be so hard to bring everybody back again and yeah. all that other stuff anyway. So it's better to just do it this way. And then they got to add certain new voice actors too. They mm. will forte. Yeah, which is very, very strange. I, I almost would have preferred to hear Michael Sarah try to be active, voice act older Michael Sarah, but also Will Forte is hilarious. Will Forte is hilarious. And He's he always good. good job. Um, he was super stoked to do it because I think he was another one that was in that behind the scenes. That I he, was. he was. Yeah, and he said he loved the movie. Yeah. Also, um, Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things gets to play young Scott in a scene. Right. And... He, he said that it was like his favorite movie of all time and he was so thrilled to do it. It always makes me happy to find out other people like Scott Pilgrim, though it is kind of a fight club uh, thing where it's like when you find out somebody like Scott Pilgrim, you want to talk to him for five minutes just to make sure they don't like it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, I could see. You know, like you don't like Scott Pilgrim because you think you are Scott Pilgrim, right? Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like fight club because Tyler Durden's your hero, right? Yeah. Okay, good, good, good. That's too funny. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things, like, it, 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 he's not wrong about it. Like, everybody in it is horrible. Right. And then we started talking about Always Sunny because of that. Like, it's the same principle of- Kind of, yeah. These people are kind of- Or even of Seinfeld, people, to a know? degree. Yeah. Is, you know, like, you, they make, it makes you laugh because it presents- how people can be horrible in such an extreme fashion mm-hmm. that it's that it's it's got to be satire. It's got to be comedy at that. Yeah, point. at that point, yeah. No, it makes perfect sense to me. And like overall, like if you were to pick between, like, is, is the movie still your favorite or is the anime kind of? Yeah, that's the thing is that the anime is such a different thing that it's just. I th- I think I said this when we talked about it originally. It's more of something I like. Yeah. So I don't. So I'm like, cool. I'm all right with this. And when, like, uh, when downloadable content for your favorite video, games. 100%. And when Brian Lee O'Malley said that, like, yeah, I don't think we're going to do a second season because we literally did everything we wanted to do in the first season so that they couldn't, um, so that we couldn't get our hopes up for a second season and then not get one. Right. Kind of thing. I, that's fine. I can't even think of anything they haven't done with Scott Pilgrim already that I want them to do. 
Right. I feel like it. It this really kind of closed the chapter on all of it, but we got to have a little bit more fun with it. Right. Got to access it and stuff. If anything, I think it's a a little sad that like Brian Lee O'Malley has done other things since Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. but none of them have landed in the way Scott Pilgrim did. Yeah. Which is why it was like we want to do an anime. Well, okay, sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I think it's it's one of those things that you're known for something, and that's what you're known for. <laughs> Some people are known for a lot of things, and that's that's really hard to get to. Right, just like a you know when you go and see a band, you're like, you, you, this is the album I want to. See. This is the uh, this is the song you have to play yep. because it's what you're known for. Yep. And then when you don't, you have people like me where it's like, how come Bad Flower took Animal out of their set, and then I gripe about it. Right. You know. So it's it's or when we saw Weedus and they were like, we're going to play Teenage Dirtbag. We're just going to do it at the end. Yeah. You know, you're going to hear it. I wasn't mad about that at all. I was right. like, I don't know any other Weedus. When you see it. when you see Radiohead, whether you like it or not, you're going to hear creep or at least you should. Yeah, I mean, you should. It doesn't mean that Tom York's going to want to. No, that's that's <laughs> the thing. The band is probably going to hate it. And that's what I hope Brian Leo Elliott isn't experiencing that. I'm like, well, they only know me because Scott Pilgrim. So yeah, I, I, don't, I guess I'll do this. It doesn't feel like that. Another side note that it just made me think of that is that he wrote in a character named Edward Wrong or Edgar Wrong. Edgar Wrong to as the director of the, the director. That's a really and that's like I haven't read uh, Brian Lee O'Malley or Edgar Wright say anything about the adaptation of the the comic, but it's the kind of thing where there's definitely a subtext there, and I don't know if I know exactly what he's trying to say with the fact that the plot is Scott disappears slash dies in the first episode and then young neil write or ghost writes a movie that gets option and then the movie gets canceled but um matthew patel buys the rights to the movie that never happened so he can make a stage play yes and in every successive thing what was it lucas is supposed to play scott Mm -hmm. and then um what was brandon ralph's character the the vegan Todd. Todd is supposed to play Scott for a minute, and then Matthew plays Scott in the in the musical. Yeah, well, because it's at the end of the day, it was like they were all personifying what Ramona wanted at the time. Right. And so, like, I mean, we didn't run into Gideon doing that, but the rest of them all took on the mantle of Scott at some point. That's the one thing I, I if I if I got to experience Scott Pilgrim in any other capacity whatsoever, I would love to see. High school put on a play of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, jeez. I don't want a full on musical with adults trying to act these characters yeah. out. Like, no, but it would be really cute to see a high school play of Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. Be interesting to see how they would try to pull that off. That's that's part of the, like, that would be fun in the way that, uh, what was it, like five years ago or something in elementary school did a, a play of Alien. Oh, God, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. That's and it's crazy. adorable. So does one kid just explode out of another kid's chest? There's, yeah, there's this little tiny girl that's supposed to be Ripley carrying around this goofy flamethrower and the way they, they like oh did the thing. God. So it's not an actual flamethrower, but it's got this stuff that a fan blows uh. to make it look like flames. There's a little kid in a in an alien costume running around after her. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that could be pretty funny. It'd be adorable. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any other thoughts? I don't think so. I think we we kind of covered everything. We got to play the video game sometime. Yeah. Um. So so you can you can experience that because that's a lot of fun. And I know you don't read comics, but it's worth it. It's very different. 
not it's not that I don't, it's just I just don't I don't make time to read. Yeah. And I need to. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if you learn to read. I'm I'm just glued to my phone constantly and it's awful. Yeah. I should not do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a short break. We will be back with our serotonin boost to wrap up this week's really big fan podcast next. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast, which, as I always tell you around this time in the show, because it's when I remember, you can follow on Patreon <laughs> at patreon.com backslash reallybigfanpod. That's where for five bucks a month, not only do you get ad-free versions of this show, but you also get our double feature, which uh, Mike and I are into the Christmas season with the latest episodes. And uh, you can you can hear us talk about two movies every episode that we think are some of the best movies of all time and then rate them into our list, which has grown to about 16 or 18 movies at this point. Yeah, everybody throw in because Chuck has a deadbeat fiance that keeps crashing her car. I wouldn't say you're a deadbeat, <laughs> but you do keep crashing your car, and that is troubling. My car. Yeah. So um, try and give Chuck some money so he can deal with my ass. So I can deal with whatever the car insurance rate is about to go up to. <laughs> Um, Sorry. Hit us up on social media as well. We're on Threads, thanks to you. Yep. Uh, we're on, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on T W I double T E R uh, at Really Big Fan Pod. And uh, if you're not watching us on Wednesday when we record these on Twitch, then you could be. Yeah. That's where you can find us on Twitch as well. Really Big Fan Pod. And sometimes I'll play games like Phasmophobia, or I gotta get some. Uh, now that there's a mod for Lethal Company that you can get more than four people, I got to play with the, I saw the boys were playing oh, no, over the yeah. weekend. Uh, I, I, I think it was Valiant Summer was playing in Raceland. Yeah. And man, I got to get in there. Got to see those. Yeah. Cool. All right. Serotonin boost time. Go. I, I went on tour this weekend and I'm going to try to not say a bunch of stuff just because you never know if like some of the stuff is private or not, yeah. you know? But I I had an amazing time, and I am obsessed with Anti Ghost as safely as I can be obsessed. At least I kept telling, great band. I kept telling them, I hope you guys don't think I'm a crazy fangirl, but I really had a good time. Yeah. Um. But they seemed to really like me too, and we just all kind of just hung out for a couple of days, which nice. was awesome. Went to comic book store, went to guitar center, stuff like that. How big a bummer would it have been if you'd have went on tour with Antigos and they were jerks? Oh, I'd been bummed. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have been bummed. No, but everybody in that band is super nice. And one of the things that I realized about them over the weekend was it's like they kind of look out for everybody else too. Yeah, that's and cool. That's kind of one of those things where like I kept like talking to Dylan, especially about like founding the underground. Like that's the whole fucking point of fight you um and fight you is because i like you're trying to create a community with some people and i'm seeing them do the same thing with their stuff too so on top of them just having great music and you can stream them on spotify and they actually have really good recordings on spotify like see that's how you're supposed to do the serotonin boost but hey i like this thing and you can experience it too yes exactly <laughs> So I would say, like, if you haven't listened to them yet, go to, it's like if Nirvana and emo band had a baby. Yeah, basically. And it's, they're very super talented. I don't, I don't, I don't have a, like a full thesis yet, but I think Nirvana was an emo band. I mean, yeah, I, they kind of were, but like, I'm just saying like the sound of the yeah. vocals are very like, 
2000s emo of what I used to absolutely are is very much but when you see them play live it's almost like watching Nirvana which for a long time is is what I I like to see in a band Mm -hmm. because I used to say the real joy of watching Nirvana is that it feels like at any moment it could fall apart and when it doesn't it's an amazing feeling yeah no it's a you know you've got Sean hitting pedals with his guitar and just like attacking the guitar i have so many like just cool pictures of him doing stuff um and for better or worse dylan looks like dave Grohl, and he plays i mean if you've got long dark hair and you play like this and you play like a muppet yeah it's, yeah it's hard to not just look like <laughs> dave Grohl, like a young dave Grohl. and then i got to see my buddies in, in panda house um my friend anthony that is also on your favorite streaming service yes panda house is amazing as well go check them out um you, I had showed you some videos of Anthony playing drums in mm-hmm. the house, and you were like, I hope they know what a good drummer they have. Yeah. And I, I told him, I was watch- oh, thank you. I was watching him play, and I, I was just seeing him use little techniques in, in, in the videos you showed me, and I was like, God, he's good. <laughs> oh, he's so good. What a good drummer. So, yeah, overall, like, there was a moment where there was another band that was playing that wasn't even the other two mentioned, but the... People that were in the room clearly knew them because mm. they knew the words and yeah. they started screaming the words. That was how we fe- that was how we fell in love with the complainer. Yeah. Is we saw them at a show with Bathroom of the Future and everyone in the crowd knew complainer and knew their songs. Yes. So we're saying a lot is like, this is fun as hell. Yeah. So when you see something like that happen, but I'm like, I'm watching it happen to a band I don't know, in a room with a bunch of people I don't know. And realizing, like, this is why I do what I do is because, like, it's not content. Like, I wrote something down. I haven't posted it, but it was like, this isn't content. This isn't just photos. Like, this is... It's an experience. History. It's documenting these moments. And any any band that you see that's super small has the ability to become My Chemical Romance. They have the ability to they certainly do. Nirvana. All of those things, and these are those moments that led them there, and I think it's really important for those things to be documented, and so sometimes I get jaded with, like, fighting to get into concerts, dealing with other concert photographers that are dicks, all the other things that I experience doing what I do, and it kind of reminded me why I do it, and I had a hard time not getting, like, to a point of tears when I was doing it. I was like... Come on, you're punk. Choke it back. Choke it back. You can't cry right now. Showing your emotions is punk rock. Yeah, yeah. But like I was trying not to cry in the middle of this random place in East Lansing and, you know, but it it definitely reminded me why I like doing this. Maybe you just need to shoot more local bands. I, I think that's part of it, too. And honestly, can, like that's maybe you, need, you can chase that experience of being of like you're going to get a lot of stinkers, but then you're also going to you're going to find those bands. You're like fuck these guys are great i mean if i could have fucking afforded it i just would have gone with them for the rest of this because i was having such a blow like i am literally in like you know how you get post-con depression oh 100 it's tour depression and i was only there for two days and i was supposed to be there for three days and then i fucked it up so like it's that sort of thing like i would i would I would if I had the finances for it, I would just lay it down and just go with them. Like cause I would just go with them at that Patreon.com backslash really big fan pod. Just throw gobs of money at us so that we can do this and entertain you. What I what we want to do yes. and not have to, you know, kill ourselves doing jobs we hate. <laughs> I don't hate my job. Yeah, you don't hate your job. No. 
<laughs> so my uh, serotonin boost this week is something I would have talked about last week, but I didn't want to spoil it for people who are in the comic book realm. And that is the latest issue of uh, one shot called X-Men Blue, where we find what is now retconned into the official um, origin of my favorite X-Men, Nightcrawler. So let me take you on a little history, because I, I don't know if I've done this with you yet. When it came out. You sort of did, but not fully. So Nightcrawler was created back in 1975 by artist Dave Cockrum. Uh, it was a, a design he had for a book he wanted to work on over at DC called Legion of Superheroes. He didn't get to work on Legion of Superheroes, but he never actually introduced the character in the comic, so he just had this cool sketch. Yeah. He gets to work on uh, Giant Size X-Men number one, where they're going to completely reboot the X-Men franchise. Uh, because it's kind of failed throughout the 60s. Like it was it was Professor Xavier and the five kids and it worked for about 50, 60 issues, but the sales were pretty low. So it went into reprints. But now they're going to reboot it with a bunch of new characters and it's going to be kind of an international team. There's going to be a character from Russia. There's going to be a character from Europe and there's going to be a character from China. And there's going to be like all this stuff. Um, so uh, Chris Claremont writes it and Dave Cockrum gives him the 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 designs for Storm and Nightcrawler and Colossus, and it takes off. It's huge. It's gangbusters, and X-Men becomes one of the biggest things ever. Um, Chris Claremont uh, creates this Nightcrawler character with no parentage uh, in Germany, and he looks, he's blue, and he looks kind of like a demon, and a couple of years go by, and he decides he wants to create, or he wants to introduce this other new character called Mystique, uh, who is also blue. Uh, he introduces Mystique in the Miss Marvel book about Carol Danvers' version of Miss Marvel as a, as a foil, to her, along with Rogue, who ends up being in that book uh, before they're both uh, folded, much like uh, a lot of Chris Claremont uh, creations are folded into X-Men. Like he's working on Spider-Woman and the book gets canceled. So he like puts Jessica Drew in uh, X-Men for a little while kind of thing. Same thing with with Carol Danvers. He writes Miss Marvel for a while. The book gets canceled. So all right. Uh, Rogue steals Carol Danvers' powers and puts her in a coma, and then I'm going to put Mystique and Rogue into X-Men. Um, so he's got these two characters that are both blue. And he's like, well, there's got to be a relation to it. So he thinks, what if Mystique knows who Nightcrawler's parents are because Mystique is one of them? <laughs> At the time, in the, in the 70s and 80s, Chris Claremont is partying in New York a lot and and meets a lot of interesting people including transsexuals and homosexuals and gay people and stuff and has a great time and and you know really gets to know them and is like these people are great x-men is a minority uh during storyline yeah like a metaphor and these people are a minority mm -hmm. so he decides he's going to introduce a character with mystique called destiny who is an old woman who can who is blind and can see the future mm -hmm. and then spends the next however many years throughout the 80s heavily implying that mystique and destiny are a couple mm -hmm. uh, still it's still night the 80s so you can't really say that on the page mm -hmm. but it's it's one of those like and they were roommates kind of situations yeah. where it's it's extremely obvious and for the last i don't know like 10 20 years uh, whenever he's asked about it, he has said multiple times that his original idea was that Mystique and Destiny were Nightcrawler's parents. Mm -hmm. um, Mystique is a shape changer, and she has shape changed into men multiple times, so there's nothing saying that she 
wouldn't be able to father a you know a parent with with um with mystique or with destiny mm-hmm. even though destiny's an old lady so they'd have to have done it way earlier yeah when well, she was still ovulating Curtis, how old <laughs> right so in the 2000s a story comes out by another writer called chuck austin uh called the draco and this is the story where he's revealed that nightcrawler's mom might be mystique but his dad was an actual demon named azazel <laughs> who was fathering children all over the planet because he could only be on he could only be in our re, in that reality for so long at a time but if he could father enough kids that could open portals like teleporting portals then he could bring his demon army through and exist on earth it's a terrible fucking story everyone thought it was stupid when it happened everyone was like this is dumb as shit mm. nightcrawler's dad being an actual demon we're not happy about it this is it totally makes sense to me Okay, fair enough. Yeah, well, when I when I explain it that way, it's like, all right, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, we get the X-Men first class movie. Mm-hmm. Azazel is the character they use in first class as the teleporter mm-hmm. to be with Kevin Bacon and the, you know, his yeah. brotherhood um, kind of thing. So like, oh shit, they've like cemented one of our least favorite X-Men characters of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, now with this latest era, the Krakoan era of the X-Men, oh, it's it's based on a lot of previous stuff that has happened. And a lot of the people who work in the office really love the old 80s Chris Claremont stuff. And we're all very aware that Mystique was supposed to be his dad. So with X-Men Blue, they have finally righted that wrong, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, there's even, because of the way the X-Men books work now, there'll be like these info pages where you'll, you'll get like notes from somebody or like uh, conversations that have been wiretapped or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. In just this page that has no pictures, it's just text. Mm-hmm. There's an info page in X-Men Blue where one of the scientists, mutants, like think, you know, Hank McCoy or something like that, uh, talks about the fact that when Mystique shape change, she, she doesn't just take on the physical appearance of a person, mm-hmm. but literally instinctually changes her DNA. Yes. And that is the explanation for why she can father a child mm-hmm. if, she, if, if you know, she cho- so chooses kind of thing. So that's in the book as well. And there's also um, when she reveals to Kurt that she's his father, he said there's a panel where he he's like, but aren't you and destiny both the women and she cuts him off and she says don't be pathetic (laughs) and it has been wild over the last seven days watching people on social media try and defend azazel and a story we all thought was one of the dumbest things we'd ever seen in X-Men comics in 60 years. Yeah, just because they're homophobic. Because Mystique can't possibly father a child. She's a woman. And to them I say, don't be pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> X-Men Blue is a great fucking read. Yeah, it seemed like... Even if you don't have... That we're happy. Even if you don't have all of that history to it, you just read it and you're just like... Well, that's cool. Neat. Uh, but it, it's much like most of the current X-Men comics. If you do have the backstory of what's going on, mm-hmm. um, it just it makes it better. Yeah, in my opinion, it just makes yeah. it make more sense. It's funny, too. Like, I didn't 
this episode wasn't supposed to be a big X-Men episode. Yeah. But it's funny to me that when I started collecting X-Men and I had no backstory other than I saw this guy in a trading card and I thought he was really cool and I want to read a comic with him in it. Um, the books were, I, they weren't written with that kind of thing in mind, yeah. but they were just as cool as like, I can go back and read those first couple of books that I, I bought when I got into X-Men comics and like, I still have my memories and my uh, nostalgia for not knowing any of that stuff and being like, this looks cool and it's and it reads cool and it is cool. But now when I read it, because I have an extensive collection of comics that happened before those books, I'm like, oh, I didn't understand that when it when. The, right. I didn't understand that line when I read it. Now. Now I get it. I didn't understand who this character was. I just thought she looked cool. Now I know there's a huge backstory behind her before I That's even got That's why I said her. before, it, like, I feel like it would be super daunting to just drop into a random X-Men story and start reading it because you're missing that much context. But if they're doing it right, you don't need it. You're just yeah. like, this looks cool. <laughs> this looks cool. That guy looks neat. What does he do? He teleports? That's even cooler. What does she do? Oh, she shape changes? That's awesome. So yeah, X-Men Blue great read if you go to if you're into comics check it out cool all right i'm done rambling you're done rambling let's get you some more soup let's get out of here thank you as always for listening to the really big fan podcast i don't know what we're going to be doing over the holidays yeah. for the podcast i know i have two weeks yeah. off oh i know i have two weeks off of work so i'll probably be streaming a lot of games but we do still have a couple of weeks before we get there so you definitely have a couple of really big fan podcasts to look through before uh, we 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 sign off for 2023. And maybe at some point I'll get caught up on the videos. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Thank you guys for uh, joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. I know what other kids did. I wasn't like that when I was a kid, but like I also know what other kids did. Like I knew kids. You were definitely more trouble than I was. I was. I will. I was. Yeah. I was more trouble, but it was like harmless stuff. I wasn't snorting Adderall in the bathroom. I was just shaking up a squirt and then spraying it in the hallway. Like very different Awful. things. Awful. Yeah, now that, like, I mean, like, I know that the custodian had to clean it up, and that's pretty sad. But, like, if that's the worst thing that I did or made it... I got in a fake fight when I was a kid. I told you about that. You did tell me about that. I got in a fake fight with my best friend to get out of a test. So, (laughs) yeah, I was a Surge junkie as well. And I used to get... I would mix the Surge and the Mountain Dew Slurpee. And, yeah, just... Sounds awful. I have always had a caffeine problem. I, yeah, because you were mixing Surge and Mountain Dew at a young age. When I was in high school, I also used to sell cans of Coca-Cola out of my locker when they took all the caffeine out of the vending machines. So, <laughs> along with burn CDs, I, I was have always been in the, the burn CDs. That's the wild thing is like selling burn CDs out of your locker. I like that's charming. <laughs> it's not. It's not right, but it's at least that's charming. <laughs> It's hard being an adult around children because you want to tell them, like, I understand you want to do things you're not supposed to do, but why are you so stupid about it? Like, if you're going to do crime, at least 
put some thought into it so you don't get caught. I feel that way about adults. I feel that way about Lou. Yeah, that too.